Okay, our scripture can be found on the back of the bulletin as we continue our Advent series about the light of Christ who has dawned. Now we are going to look at Joseph and Joseph's dream. Uh, Joseph was in much darkness, and the Lord appeared to him and brought light into his heart. Hear these words from the Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I want to get some insight into my congregation. Oh boy. I want to ask a couple of questions when you were children. The first was, is there anyone here that ever played Mary in a church play? Did anyone ever play Mary? Raise your hand if you did. Wow. Not okay. Much. How about this question? Did anyone ever want to play Mary in the Christmas play? <laughs> You don't have to raise your hand for that. But my guess is that among us, there were many who were, when they were young girls, wanted to play Mary in the Christmas play. And of course, your family went to church. Now, how many of you guys played Joseph in the Christmas play? That's not surprising at all, frankly. Okay, all right. How many of you wanted to play Joseph? The answer is probably a lot lower than those who wanted to play Mary. Now, maybe that's a female thing, I don't know, but I think some of it may have to do with, it, uh, with the fact that Mary is much more popular in the Christmas play, right? She seems to have much more of a starring role in the Christmas story. You know, if you look at the various hymns that are written, uh, the classic hymns, you will find Mary in a lot of them in some sort of role, but very, very rarely will you find Joseph. Joseph had a critical role, but Joseph was kind of one who was faithful and forgotten until, of course, around Christmas. See, Joseph had a critical role in that he was the one who was chosen to support Mary and Jesus and to protect them as Jesus was growing. Without Joseph, no Mary, no Jesus growing up to be who he was. But you see, there is a big difference between Mary and Joseph. And that is this, that Mary had no choice. And Joseph did. Now, is that true? Maybe. But when you think the angel, remember when he came to Mary? He said, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. It wasn't an invitation, really, in the sense of, what do you think about this idea, Mary? Now, it seems that Mary did have opportunity to respond. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. 
But the angel came with the more of the sense of this is this is going to happen. Where with Joseph, Joseph had a choice, right? To marry Mary, to become a part of this story, or to walk away. And we know how Joseph responded, right? In that sense, it's almost like more <coughs> like Joseph than Mary. Because we have a choice in how we respond to Jesus Christ. To embrace him for who he is. To embrace the role that we are to have in this life. Or to walk away. We can choose Jesus or we can choose the world. But we can't choose both. See, to choose Jesus is to choose his approval over the world's. To choose his authority over our own. And to choose his forgiveness for our sins. Because we can choose Jesus or we can choose the world. The choice is ours. And so we're going to look at these three things that were running through Joseph's head. The choices he had to make in order to choose Jesus. And the first was to choose Jesus' approval over the world's. We know somewhat of the background of the story of Joseph, right? Joseph was a carpenter or a builder, as it were. He had a trade. was taught it by his father, as his father was before. We don't know Joseph's exact age. We often think of it somewhere around 19 or 20, which is probably about right. Men were married older than women. Women were married pretty much shortly after puberty, 14 to 16. People did not live as long back then, but the man needed to be able to generate income. He needed to, uh, uh, you know, have a trade and be able to raise a family. We know that Joseph was a just man, the scriptures here say. He was righteous in the sense, not that he was self-righteous, but that he did not just give lip service to God and God's word, but he sought to follow it. We know that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. How well they knew each other, we don't exactly know. Many marriages were arranged. Men and women, single men and women, were never alone together. But somewhere along the way, Joseph had decided that Mary could make a good wife and had gone to Mary's parents and had proposed marriage. And there was a way that the woman could respond yes or no. The man would take a cup of wine and he would drink it and he would hand it to the woman. And the woman did have the ability to say, I don't want it. Uh, but Mary obviously had chosen the cup and drank it. We don't really know her state. And so they were betrothed to one another. In essence, they were married. A contract had been signed. Money had actually been exchanged. They were married in the sense of contractually, but they had not consummated the marriage and they had not lived together yet. The time between the, uh, the, the being betrothed to one another and getting married usually was about a year. And that was for the man to prepare a place if he had it already. Joseph was a builder, so he was one up in regards to that. But it was also to make sure that the woman was chaste that the woman was not pregnant. And so they were waiting. But we see these words, that Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when we see this, we often, we've been colored by the movies, right? And in the movies, the way it works is Mary has gone away somewhere. She comes back, and the way that Joseph finds out is he can see the baby bump. But I want to suggest to you that I don't think it went down like that at all. We know the timeline that the angel Gabriel told Mary that she would have a child. At that time, that meant that she was not pregnant, though it could have been literally, you know, that day. But we know that Mary went with haste to the hill country of Judah to stay with Elizabeth and Zechariah for about three months. So there was no Greyhound bus back then, right? There had to be somebody going there. But when you do the timeline, let's say three months, you add another month, that's four months, that's 16 weeks. That's right about when the woman, a woman begins to show with her first child. You may be astounded that your pastor knows these things, but I know all uh, things uh, in regard to this. Now, women back then were not wearing form-fitting clothes, right? And so I want to suggest to you, additionally, there's no way that Mary would let Joseph find out this way. Mary also was a righteous and just woman. And a righteous and just woman would not let him get the information secondhand. I believe that Mary and her parents, because she could not be alone. And by the way, a mom would know that her child was pregnant by that time, right? Went to Joseph and Mary got to plead her case to explain that she was pregnant, but she was not pregnant by another man, that it was through the Holy Spirit, and this was the Son of God. And keep in mind, she had just spent three months in the house of a priest, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who you know was poring over all of the scriptures with what he uh, had experienced himself, making sense of it all. You know that she would have known Isaiah 7, 14, that the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. Mary would have said all of these things. And how did Joseph respond? We naturally think that Joseph didn't believe her, right? And probably it's pretty hard to swallow, but it doesn't say that exactly. It says, when you read between the lines, that something is troubling Joseph as he hears this story. First, what he knows about Mary. The second is he's hearing the gospel. And there is something about people in the story that God uses when they hear the response of the gospel. It moves them. Think of Elizabeth when Mary literally came walking up the path and she knew. See, I know this because it says that Joseph considered these things. But what are these things? This word considered these things means to meditate, to ponder. And it's actually in participle form, meaning Joseph was ruminating and thinking over these things. And I asked the question, what's there to ponder, right? She's pregnant. It's obvious. It's, you're a righteous man. This is what the law says. It's cut and dry. And yet, Joseph is pondering. 
And he has in mind, he comes up with a plan to divorce her quietly. Now, if Mary's already showing in this small town, there's not going to be anything quiet about it, right? This is before things get out. See, if it was already out, well, either way, Joseph as a just man should make it loud, right? He should follow Deuteronomy 22. He should gather the elders of the village and make this a clear thing. You know, Deuteronomy 22 said that the woman and the man, by the way, participated in this was to be stoned. The Romans didn't allow that to happen. Uh, it was against the law, but that doesn't mean it didn't. But Joseph resolved not to put her to shame. Joseph understood that her life was going to be terrible from here on out. This is an honor and shame culture. But I want to suggest to you that maybe Joseph thought also, there's a way out of this for me. I can do the honorable thing. I can, be, I can do the right thing. And I can be done with whatever part I'm supposed to play in this. I want out. Now, why do I think all of these things? Notice in Matthew 120 that Joseph goes to sleep, a fitful sleep in which he dreams. And in that, an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Now, when we hear that, do not fear, we think of all the other stories in which an angel appears to someone, like the shepherds, like Mary, that say, do not fear. But when the angel says, do not fear in those stories, he's saying, do not fear me. And what you will discover is Joseph is not afraid of the angel. In fact, Joseph's having a dream. I don't know about your dreams, but in my dreams, all sorts of wacky things happen, right? No, the angel says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Joseph is afraid of taking Mary as his wife. Why? Because I think deep down, Joseph already knows that he was born for this, that this is the Son of God. And Joseph is afraid of what this means for his life. And the angel says, what is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's backing up what Mary has already told him. She's telling the truth, which you already know, Joseph. See, the reason Joseph is afraid is because he is afraid of the condemnation of the world. To take Mary in is to have invite the condemnation of my parents my community, all of the friends that I've grown up with, this job, this business I have, nobody will hire me. No one will, I can't go back to the synagogue anymore. I'm seen as a righteous man. I will be looked upon with shame and, uh, and suspicion for the rest of my life. And that's like cultural suicide in a country like this. I will be misunderstood and I will be rejected. And no matter what I say to try to convince people, they will not believe me. See, God is teaching Joseph a lesson of what is to come, and he is teaching us a lesson too. 
To embrace Jesus is to receive the rejection of the world. It happened to Mary. It happened to Joseph. It happened to Jesus. How could it not happen to us as well? See, this world we live in says, yeah, yeah, you can be a Christian as long as it's nominal. Right? It's like a hobby. It's like the Lions Club or something like that. But as soon as you get serious about the Christianity, as soon as you say, my hope is in Jesus Christ, as soon as you say that I am a sinner in need of salvation, and I believe in Christ, and I believe that he's king, things really start to change, don't they? People start to look at you very, very weird. We have a category for people like that, right? They're weird, but they're also judgmental. They're the ones that say that Jesus Christ is the way and the only way and the truth and the life. And you simply cannot say that in our pluralistic culture. It's offensive. Might even be criminal soon. They're the ones that have no fun, right? Love watching Christians on TV. Don't they get painted so beautifully on TV? People will say, stop pushing Jesus. I'm not, I'm, I believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that I need him. I'm a sinner. Oh, so you're a sinner. You think you're better than us, huh? No, I just said I was a sinner. Oh, you, you no, 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 that's not the way. I know what you're really saying. You know, Christianity is the only people group in America that it is openly okay to belittle. And discriminate against. I'm not saying there isn't discrimination going on against a lot of other groups, but it is not okay to openly uh, 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 criticize or discriminate against someone because of their sexuality. If you're a Hindu, if you're a Muslim, if you're a woman, if you're black, if you're Hispanic, you start speaking out loud about that, you're in huge trouble. But going after Christians, no problem. It's open season. Because that's the way it works. Joseph is afraid. Because he wants the world. And he wants to follow God. So what will we do? You know, one of my heroes, common day heroes today, is a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. A former lesbian, tenured professor at Syracuse. <coughs> There's a, a beautiful secret life, uh, secret thoughts of an unlikely convert. If you really want to understand the challenge and difficulty of somebody leaving that lifestyle and becoming a Christian, it's Rosaria Butterfield in that book. And Rosaria speaks about the consequences of becoming a Christian. She said, I would have to change everything. My life, my friends, my writing, my teaching, my advising, my clothes, my speech, my thoughts. I was tenured to a field that I could no longer work in. I was the faculty advisor to all the gay and lesbian and feminist groups on campus. I was writing a book that I no longer believed in. What does a Christian life look like for someone like me, a single ex-lesbian with a now defunct PhD? But Rosaria could not escape the call of Jesus Christ. And in the end, she realized that I would rather have Jesus than everything else. And it looks like it's going to cost me about everything else. 
So the question I have for you and me is this. Is the world enough? I want both. I want Jesus and the world. We can't. And we try to straddle, but we end up being miserable in both of them. Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So choose. Like Joseph. Choose to rather have Jesus than the approval of the world. Because he is worthy of shame and disgrace and misunderstanding and scorn and ridicule. Joseph chose Jesus over the approval of the world. And he also, second point, chose Jesus' authority over his own. The angel instructs Joseph on the way this is going to work. This one Mary will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now in that culture, it was the man that named the child. We name our child because we like the name. You know, Mark or James or Caleb or, or all sorts of different names. But names back then actually meant something, right? Indeed, the angel says it. We're, you're to call this baby Jesus because his name means the Lord saves. He will save his people from their sins. See, it's a way of, the father naming is a way of, of showing that the father is in control. He names the child. He has complete autonomy over the family. But this angel is saying something very different. This angel is saying that when you take this child in, you will not be in control. He will. You are to call his name Jesus. God is saying, you don't get to name me. I name you. Because I know, Joseph, who you were meant to be. Jesus, this one who is coming in as a child, made Joseph. And Joseph is not in charge. He is. It is Jesus who knit Joseph together in his mother's womb. Here's a great trivia question for you. Or answer. There's only been one couple whose child has ever been older than them. <laughs> and that's Jesus Christ, who is timeless. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. This God who always has existed, without giving up what he was, he became what he was not, a human being. Think about the immensity of God. This is Jeremiah 23, 23. Am I a God at hand and not a God far away also? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? In other words, if you go anywhere in the universe, God is there. Just to give you an illustration. If the space shuttle, the now defunct space shuttle, was to fly to the sun, it would take about seven months. 
If it was to fly to the next star, it would take about 70,000 years. If it was to traverse the spans of the Milky Way, it would be about 100,000 years, traveling at 186,000 miles a second. If the space shuttle was to travel to the next galaxy at the speed of light, it would take a million years. And that's just one of a billion galaxies. And God is every single place where that is. And all of this God would be compressed into one cell, five microns in diameter, one-tenth the size of a human hair. All of God in one child. Notice what it says. You are the name of Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Everywhere else, it's always God will save his people, right? He will save his people. In other words, Joseph and us, you belong to him. You are his. <laughs> this virgin shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So for Joseph to receive Jesus is not only to receive him as his son, but to receive him as God and king. For us to choose Jesus is to say, Jesus, I want you to name my life. I want you to be in charge. There is something in us that recoils from the concept of surrendering ourselves to anyone but ourselves. Started with Adam and Eve, right? God created Adam and Eve. And he put them in the garden and he says, I... I want you to experience and enjoy all of life. All of this has been given for you to use. But this one tree, I do not want you to eat from. Well, God, why do you not want us to eat from that tree? Because I said so. And I want you to trust me. It will be your way of showing your love for me. That you trust me even when you don't understand. And along comes Satan, right? Slithering along. Did God really say, don't eat from this tree? Yeah. Said it would be our, our way of showing him that we trust him. No, no. He's keeping you down. He's keeping from you the one thing that will really name you and give you complete life. And they heard. And they listened. And they obey. And that seed is in our DNA. This message, this, if I surrender my life to him, he will take away all the fun. He will lead me to a terrible life. I cannot trust him. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. We were made to give ourselves completely to God. And Jesus comes to us in such an accommodating way and says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. Trust me. 
And the question is, will we? Notice what Joseph did. The next day, when he woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his life. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now keep in mind, the betrothal process is not done. It's, if I'm right, about four months. It's certainly not done. You do not go and take the wife until about a year is done. Until your father says so. Until convention. But before she even starts showing, Joseph goes. And he takes her to be his wife. Why? Because he knows, A, because the Lord told him to. And the reason I believe the Lord told him to is because soon she is going to start showing. And Joseph is not going to divorce her. And everyone's going to think it's Joseph. But they're going to need each other. And he is going to need to start standing by her so that she does not have to bear it alone. From that point on, Joseph's entire life revolved around Jesus. They had to go down to Bethlehem, right? And then all of a sudden, Herod and his soldiers are like killing people trying to find this child. They have to go and live in Egypt. Jewish people don't go and live in Egypt. Okay? They don't really venture more than 10 miles from their house their entire life unless they have to go to Bethlehem. But Joseph's life was not his own. His entire life revolved around Jesus. And he never got to see Jesus' public ministry, right? Starting at about 30 years. But he got to see Jesus every day. And I wonder what it was like to stare into the eyes of an eight-year-old and to stare into an infinity. Does your life revolve around Jesus? Do you realize that that is what he's calling you to? Does he have complete reign over your plans, your future, your talents, your money, your hopes and dreams? There is not one square inch of your life that Jesus does not claim as his own. But the question is, do we do that joyfully, hopefully, or with tight fist? See, Jesus Christ bought us with his own blood, if you are a Christian. 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. What if you started to choose to trust that his ways are best? That he really does want your best? And that every single thing that's going on and happening in your life is God working? to bless you in ways that you cannot understand and to grow you into the likeness of the Son, Jesus Christ. See, sin, the definition of sin, is our refusal to believe that God desires our happiness and flourishing. And so we're going to go 
somewhere else. Now, this isn't a one-time thing, right? Not for Joseph and not for us. It's day by day, moment by moment, saying, I trust you. You're in charge. It's your word, and I will follow you. Because Jesus frees us from the lie of the world and allows us to truly find life. Choose Jesus over the approval of the world, over your own authority, and finally, for the forgiveness of your sins. She will bear a son, verse 21, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph is one of God's people, and so he recognizes that Jesus has come to save me. This requires humility, doesn't it? This child, this one whose diaper I am changing, is the one who has come to save me. See, to come to Jesus, to receive him, you have to acknowledge that I need to be saved. Every other religion says, their founder, their major religion says, I'm going to show you the way to find God. And Jesus comes to us and says, I'm not going to show you the way to find God. I am God who has come to find you. For you cannot find me. You cannot ascend to heaven. And so I will descend to bring you to the Father. Jesus came to be a bridge to the Father. And you know, bridges get walked on as people cross them. So how can we trust Jesus like this? Because this one in the manger was not only a baby, he was also a lamb. The one who came to be raised to sacrifice himself so that we would be set free from our sins. <coughs> the only way to receive Jesus Christ is as Savior. So have you. The only way that we can come to Christ is on our knees. Jesus frees us from the lie of the world and allows us to truly find life. Joseph found it. Maybe his lifestyle wasn't blessed, but his life sure was. Are you tired of having to constantly jump through the hoops to get the approval of a fickle world? Are you tired of constantly having to name yourself because you refuse to cede your authority to Jesus? Do you yearn for freedom from Jesus saying, I do not condemn you, go and live your life? <coughs> these are the promises, and these are what is required if we seek to choose Jesus Christ. And by his grace, like Joseph, let us do so this Christmas season. Let us pray. Jesus, you came to free us from the prison of ourselves and this world and our sins. Thank you that that forgiveness and freedom is in you. And as your people, we want to take full advantage of it. So 
But Lord, help us to see you in all of your fullness. To hear from your word, may it shape and change us so that we leave this place captivated by you, wholly obedient to you, and hopeful in you. For you are the light of the world. Pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.